I'm so loud for you. Cause I'm so proud of you. And I, let me tell you what I'm about to do. Mama. I know I act a fool, but I promise you I'm going back to school. And I appreciate what you allow for me. And I, I just want you to be proud of me. I want to tell the whole world about a friend of mine. This little light of mine, I'm finna let it shine. I'm finna take y'all back to them better times. I'm finna talk about my mama if y'all don't mind. I was three What up, what up, what up? It's three brothers, no sense. I am Tavares Ferguson, a.k.a. Ferg. Join my co-host, Buff and Rozzy. Fellas, tell them what's on your mind. I just want to say school is over. Finally, I don't have to try to deal with this clever app and seesaw and all that craziness that's going on with homeschooling so um this is definitely going to be one of those summers where the kids just run wild and free and i just really don't care what they do they can sleep in stay up late all that i don't care it's uh it's going down for the next two months just make sure they take a bath rise i just have a feeling like when when last time you bathe <laughs> you got in the pool yesterday <laughs> i ain't gonna lie that's been happening now even my school was in like you know, two days like when last time y'all took a bath. Lord, like, bro. Okay, come here. Lord, bro. <laughs> oh man, so I know man. you. I'll so be, be good to like make them brush their teeth every day. Lord, bro. <laughs> I'm so glad that's just not my household. <laughs> come here, go, go take a shower. <laughs> <laughs> And man, I don't know what's up with Oliver. He's five years old, but that man smelled like a grown man. Like he be getting musty. I was yeah. like, all right, come on. He's deodorant already. Yeah. It's these hormones and stuff they're putting in this food, man. This food, man. It's, that man almost 26 years old. <laughs> well, uh, you guys that's listening, you heard the, the song at the beginning of the episode. And for those of you that follow our page or know me personally, uh, you know, once again, three brothers, we suffered a, a tragedy. I lost my mom uh, last week. Well, I guess by the time you hear this, almost two weeks ago. And so uh, just been dealing with that. We didn't have an episode for you guys last week. Obviously, I'm sure you guys understand. But um, I don't plan on this being a, a, a super somber episode where I'm going to be crying throughout. I may cry. That's, that's very, very possible. Uh, but... I don't plan for it to be that way. I wanted I wanted to do a regular episode. I was talking to these two brothers uh, before we started recording. And uh, I just want to do a regular episode. I feel like I got a lot out. I spoke at my mom's funeral. Razio was there for that. Uh, I made like two different posts on my Facebook page. So I didn't feel the need to regurgitate a lot of that stuff. I'll just say this. Um, as with anyone, your mom is like the best mom on earth. And that's how I felt like about her, especially when you factor in, I've talked about, you know, how my dad wasn't there. Like, she, like he should have been a lot of times and she had to like, you know, not only do her job, but pick up his slack. And, you know, he would make a lot of promises that he didn't follow through with. And she would see, how hurt I would be. And if she could, she would definitely try to come through. Uh, people our age, well, rather y'all always been rich, but most people our age <laughs> had the black and white TV where you had to get up and turn the knob. So as I got older, I finally wanted like a, uh, get this folks, a 19 inch 
color TV, which was a nice size TV for your bedroom back then. Like I know everybody got like 75 inches now, but back then a color 19 inch TV with a remote control was the thing to have. And my, yeah, man, you hooked that up to the Nintendo. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> and my dad promised that he was going to get it, you know, just like he did with the Reebok pumps. <laughs> he didn't get it. And she felt bad, man. And she, she went on ahead and got it for me. And just that's just like one of the very small things she did. And, uh, you know, I posted our garage apartment that I grew up in on our page. So if you haven't checked that out, uh, go to our page on that on Facebook. And just... That's why on the LaShondra Holmes episode, I said I was so thankful for the house I'm in now because I remember that little bitty garage apartment behind my grandmother's house in Pritchett. So I just feel like we came a long ways and I couldn't have done it without her. I will forever miss her, but I am just going to try to remember the great memories. And I'm going to lean on, believe it or not, I'm going to lean on Razio a lot because he went through something similar to where it was just so unexpected. It was somebody very close to him. And I, you know, he knows what I'm going through to an extent. So I've been talking to him for, you know, the show is called three brothers and it's not just, you know, cause we wanted to come up with a name. We truly are brothers. Like Ferg has been checking on me. Razio during this quarantine, when it's not safe to travel, he still, you know, risked it, drove down to come see me. So I just appreciate you guys, both the entire SWAT family, as we call it. And, you know, just my blood relatives and everything, our friends. I got friends on Facebook. I didn't even know we were friends. And they were like, yo, just checking to see if you're okay. I see what happened. So all of that was appreciated. I thank you guys. I thank the listeners. And, uh, you know, we're just going to try to have a good show in her memory. And I'm going to just continue to try to make her proud, man. Love it, man. Shout out to the health group, too. Um, yeah. oh, I know. A, 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 thank you for reminding me, bro. Up. Yeah. Oh, listen, listen, I'm so glad he brought that up. I didn't want to get into like thanking people for real because I know I would forget somebody, but they definitely deserve a mention. They showed up. But and even before that, they sent a, um, I guess you could call it like a flower or whatever. I, I don't know my, my terms. Arrangement right. bouquet. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Thank you, Riley. <laughs> They sent it like I get a knock on the door. I'm sitting there watching, catching up on, uh, I think, Blackish. And I get a knock on the door and it's like this arrangement. And it's like uh, from from the girls of the health group, man. And so that was very, very touching, man. You guys didn't have to do that. And if you're listening, I know I, I know I thanked you uh, on the group or whatnot. But just in front of the listeners that we have, thank you once again, like, Every gesture, class of 99 sent a card from my high school. Every single gesture, it doesn't matter how big or small, has been much appreciated. Because this is, as I stated on one of my posts, the most painful thing I've ever experienced in my life. So very much appreciated. And uh, thank you for reminding me on that, Roger. Uh, no problem, man. We, I mean... We're here for you, like just like y'all have been there for me. Um, that that's what we got to do, man. We got to lean on each other and help each other to get through it, man. Because like I I posted when she passed, you know, we we were raised by a village, man. And like when Hazel passed, it's like I lost uh, one of my moms. You know what I mean? And, and that's how it feels. It's like all of our moms feels like your mom, you know. And and I joked about. 
how she could never really pronounce my name right but it didn't matter it really didn't matter man because you, you you just knew that she had so much love behind it she was so sweet with it and it just it did it didn't matter to me like i would i would never even think to try to like correct her or whatever and try to get it right because it was like she when she was like azario and i was like that that was it it was like my name's azario when it comes to you i kind of want to cool. call you that on the shelf no <laughs> 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 so yeah man but we're here we miss her uh we're gonna continue to miss her too and uh you know whatever you need let us know because um i couldn't have got through the last two months without y'all and i know you're gonna be leaning on us to get through you know your next two months two years five years whatever so we're here for you man well i don't have a lot to say after that man um one thing i will say byron is um I do really respect you and everything you've been able to just your strength through all this, just like Rizzi, man, I can be prouder of you too, man. And I just, I don't know, man. I just, I, I don't know what to say. You know, like you guys have just handled it with so much class and people would like to think that they would handle things similarly, myself included, but you know, you guys have just handled it and just being, you know, taking care of business and taking care of home and, which I mean, like I said, with so much class, uh, it's tough to even talk about for me. You know, I just my I'm not even saying my dilemma is not even know how to bring this up. Or how, like I, I've, I've been feeling guilty to to be feel so blessed lately. If that makes sense, like it's just like seeing some of my closest people go through so much trauma that I just don't know how to feel. And let me let me stop you right there, bro. I I get what you're saying. First off, let me say that I get what you're saying, but I think Razio is gonna agree with this. For me, in my grief, hearing good news helped. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, like uh, Wendell shared some good news with me. We have a friend uh, that lives up in Baltimore named Allison. She got like a big promotion with her job where she's gonna be moving to Dallas. I was like, I was so grateful that she shared that with me, man. Like, I love hearing good news, man. So please do not feel that way, man, because I love it. And and, and Razio co-signed it, man. It, it actually helps. It helps. Yeah, um, I'm glad to know that, man. And just because for some people, and I say this all the time, there's people I've come across in my life. I have a lot of people, associates and people I really care about. But there's certain people I've come across, and there's a handful that I really just feel like they deserve the best. They deserve good stuff. And you guys are two of those people, you know, and Rizzi will go back to even say this. Like I've always said, I feel like he deserved a good woman, you know, like, you know, all you've been through buff, you know, and I said it the other day on a post, like you made your mom so proud, you know, you, she probably could, when you guys were living in that, that garage in Pritchard, garage house in Pritchard, there's no way that you or her could imagine the success that you would have in the in detail, I think we all imagine success. We're all living in this big house and have this family and stuff like that. But when those things start coming true in the detail that goes with it and her being able to travel to D.C. and see her, her son mm-hmm. be this upstanding husband and father and just this public figure and just doing all these things. I know for a fact that she was proud, you know, and I and I just I just. And the reason I brought this up and I wasn't even trying to go there with this initially was you said something a few months ago that stuck with me, you know, is people always say they're going to pray for somebody. I've truly and really have incorporated you and your family and Rizzi and his family, my prayers and Sky and I 
pray for you guys every time we get on our knees and pray. And I had to show her pictures because she was like, so who's Byron again? Because I'll go from from Buff to Byron. And she's like, hold on. I thought, you know, so. uh, That's dope, man. That's so dope. um, But that's that's, that's real, you know. Um, And we do it for rising the kids and stuff like that. So, man, I just want you guys to know I'm so proud of you. And anything you need, you know, I'm here for you. I don't have, you know, had more to say than I thought I did. So with, without saying any more, let's go ahead and pay some bills. All right, people, we are back. Three brothers, no sense. You know what time it is. We've got a little serious, a, a very serious early. So uh, hopefully Rizzy can lighten it up a little bit. We're about to roll out the red carpet. One mic stand. Rizzy hit us with a joke. Are you ready for, for your next Comedian. <laughs> Damn, is he funny? Let's see what you got, Razzy. <laughs> all, right, all right, all right, all right. So this one, this one. Shout out to Sophie. She uh, she actually brought this in and she like wrote it down for me because she was like, you got to use this one. All right. Don't so use my why golfers. See, see. Don't use my golfers. Why do golfers? That's exactly what he did. That's exactly what he did. That's like a blessing part. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> I, exactly. It's her. It's her joke. So they gotta laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Sophie. All right. So, why do golfers keep two pair of pants handy in case they get a hole in one? I kind of figured that was yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I figured that punchline. Okay. Tell, tell Sophie hey. to keep coming with him. <laughs> great job, great job, Sophie. Great job, Sophie. Great, job Sophie. great job, great job, great job. We can't even give you credit for that. <laughs> Sophie won. Rosie like negative eight. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I love Sophie. How's she doing, by the way? Oh man, she's good. She's good. She's uh excited. She got her a new drone. So her grandma uh, bought her a new gr- a drone just randomly because I have one and she wanted to play with it. And I guess I wasn't letting her play with it enough. So she talked to her grandma into buying her a drone. But she gets scared uh, of it. And so she's like crashes into the house a couple times. She like runs off and like it goes into a tree because she don't like really be trying to fly it when she gets scared. So, so obviously that's that's why I wouldn't yeah, let her. Obviously, you didn't let her play with yours for good reason. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I don't imagine they getting told no a lot lately. So I'm pretty sure she hitting grandma for everything right now. Yeah, we had to have a conversation about that. I was like, look. You're not gonna be asking grandma for everything yeah, you want. So, so that means I, I mean they just gonna keep it at uh Tamara house. <laughs> if you don't see it, it don't count. But, but no, I've been doing I've been doing really good. Like I said, I made a promise to Jen that I was gonna say yeah to a lot of stuff. So I do get them a good bit of stuff. But you know, I, I, I still want them to understand patience and how to wait for things and how to not be spoiled not to get everything you want as soon as you want it so even if it's you ask me for it and you got to wait until your birthday or to christmas Mm -hmm. or till you know a month or so from now and we'll we'll spend the 20 dollars on it or whatever i want them to learn how to wait for it because if you can defer your satisfaction that's how when you're an adult you learn to defer your satisfaction and you don't put yourself in credit card debt because you feel like you got to get everything as soon as you want it and stuff like that. So again, it just goes back to teaching financial literacy, even at this age. Duly noted. Well, I'm going to kick it off. Pretty sure. I think we've kind of hit on this before. So stop me uh, a few months ago when D Wade 
came out defending his daughter. Was it Zaya? <laughs> we back on that? No, as you said, I think he's about to ask my question. Um, <laughs> we had we kind of had a conversation on that. But recently, our favorite rapper, Lil Boosie. <laughs> has Man. come out and you can help me with this Byron because you know I don't follow like uh, follow stuff like that that well pop culture yeah pop culture that well <laughs> <In general. laughs> um, basically he came out with a post that he went and got his what 12 year old son and nephew's head by a grown woman and he kept honing in on how grown this woman is like like she a grown ass woman like real woman like she she bought that life she bought that work like she and he was basically saying he wanted his son to be a real man and this is how this is what real dudes do to help create real men like he was just bragging on this whole thing and so i have my opinions on that but more so there's a lot of people coming to and mainly men i see coming to his defense and saying they saw nothing wrong with it. But when you look at everything that's involved in it, like it's pedophilia, like it's these kids are 12 years old being with grown women, you know? So what are your thoughts on the Bootsy Bootsy situation? And how do you feel about these people and their response to or defending him or attacking him? So on the hit on with the flex episode, our, our great guest, Lysandra Holmes Young, uh, fashion influencer, uh, hit me up and wanted me to ask this exact question. And she told me I could use her name. And this is how. So I want to I want to read how she framed it. And then I want to ask your question. So she said, hey, is y'all going to say something about Lil Boosie allowing some grown woman to suck his underage son's penises? Two question marks. You know, when somebody put more than one question mark, they mean that question. Because, you know, we was about ready to pull Lil Hooker Lady off the pole in prison. So if you don't if you don't follow us on Facebook, we posted a video of a young woman. She had a pole in her uh, home. And I would say the little girl couldn't have been no more four years old, maybe three or four. If that, and like maybe two, two, three. She, yeah. She was very scantily cladly dressed and she was doing, as the women say, exercising on a pole. As the men say, doing some stripper moves on the pole. She had, with a, a, G-string. She had a G-string on people. And a lot of people had something to say. So Miss Young is saying that, hey, you guys had something to say about that. Say something about this. And here we are because we're about to say something about it. Ferg, there's a lot to unpack in that question. I'll let Razio handle the, the obvious stuff about his son being underage and how that is molestation. I'll let because I, I know you're going to speak well on that, brother. I want to speak to the brothers that are defending this. So here's my thing. You, you you call yourself helping him be a man. Part of being a man is going out there and getting a woman on your own, not having someone easily bring you a woman. And I'm sure he paid these women. I mean, if, I mean, he's doing nothing more than what a trick does. That, that's all he's really doing. So this so-called uh, making him a, a quote real man. 
I'm I'm missing that part because to me, part of being a man is is courting a woman, uh, the chase as they call it, and and learning what works and what doesn't work, and how you have your so called game down pack to where, you know what to say to a woman and what not to say and and how to act and how to behave. So I just think it's ridiculous. And I assume he's doing all of this to prevent his son from being gay. And it just takes us back to that live episode we did with the late Jen and and how he's taking it a step further. Cause we, you know, in that episode, we mentioned how, you know, if you find out your son is having sex, you're a little less, you know, like you, you're mad, but you're kind of like, ah, that's my boy right there. Versus if you find out your daughter is is having sex. And so that that whole double standard is, is in there. But he took it a step further to where he's going to bring the sex to his son. And, you know, I know a lot of guys are saying that, hey, it doesn't matter. You know, we we you know, I had teachers that I wanted to smash. I had grown ladies I wanted to smash. And if I could have, I would have and I would have turned out OK. Or I did have sex with an older woman when I was like 14 and I'm OK. I mean, you may think you're OK, but you're probably not, you know, like so it's so much to unpack there. I may come back with something else later, but I'm going to let Razio I'm going to see what Razio got. But that. Can we just all agree that is ridiculous what he did? It's completely ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, and wrong. Um, you know, the, the, like you say, there's so much to unpack of it or from it. So I'll try to take it in parts. So first, the pedophilia part. I, I don't think it's pedophilia, mainly because unless the girl is physically attracted to the 12-year-old She's not a pedophile. So it's molestation, but not pedophilia. Um, so she's statutory rape too, right? Yeah. Well, yes. yes. Statutory rape and yeah. And molestation. So I, I guess you can, can kind of look at both of those. Usually statutory rape is when they old enough and they consent, which I assume the 12 year old boys did consent. Um, and then she's over age. So yeah, it would be statutory at that point too. Right. Yes. Um, so yes, it's wrong and illegal. And when you think about generational trauma, just because it happened to you doesn't mean it's okay. Uh, you know, we talked about spanking earlier and you might think, oh, I, I got spanked, so I'm okay. Um, or even to the point where your parents didn't let you question them. So now you have a problem questioning authority at all you you don't know how to talk up for yourself as an adult because your parents did something to you so i do let my child as as our parents would say talk back you know i let my kid talk back because i want them to be able to challenge authority i want them to be able to speak their mind um but what i do is i shape that and i mold that to say how you talk back how you shape, how you question somebody do you do it in the heat of the moment and things so we have to raise that child, like you said, to have his game on point. He needs to go out as a, and wants to be a man. He needs to go out and find a girl that he can actually court and and be ready for sex. And my other thing is, at 12 years old, what are you exposing him to that he's like ready to have sex and like really, really like, oh, yeah, I'm on this right now and I want to have sex with this woman at 12. Um, most, most of us at 12, we, we were kind of looking we we, were, we really weren't talking about sex we were happy if we saw like 
you know, the girl didn't have shorts on under her skirt and we saw a little panty line. We like, oh yes, we in there. You know, that that <laughs> that, I mean, that was it. I mean, I was talking so, about it. I just couldn't get none. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that's, like you said, that's part of it, right? Yeah. Like you, you tried. Like, so it's, man, you're not teaching him how to be a man. You're, you're like you say, you're teaching him how to be a trick. That you're, you're teaching him how to go and pay for it. You're teaching him that money can buy whatever he want. You're teaching him that he don't have to work for it. Whatever he wants, he can get. So it may, what he may be doing and maybe setting this child up for is at 15, 16, when a girl tells him no, he ends up strong arming her. He he becomes a rapist. He, he becomes a dude that don't know how to take no for an answer in the club. The one that's grabbing on girls saying, hey, red, hey, red, and won't let her hand go when she's trying to get away. Like that's the, the downward spiral of starting him out so early with this whole expectation that he can have it whenever he want it and anytime he um, can get it. So it's wrong on so many levels, man. But the biggest one is just the the immorality of it all right like you you shouldn't be having one you don't want your child to have premarital sex in general but even with that you don't want your child having sex at 12 Mm -hmm. like hey can you can you wait to 17 18 at least like let's talk through that piece um so the morality piece of it the legality piece of it um and then just the trauma of it all happening man it's just it's wrong and anybody who's defending it you're either holding on to the past and what happened to you which you need to let go and you need to grow up and you need to be get smarter about it um and 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 start raising our kids and break that curse Uh, y'all y'all said a mouthful um my biggest take from this is our expectations that we have created in our community are up. It's just that simple, you know, because we, we, to me, this personifies that rape culture that gets thrown around so much, probably in the last two to three years, when we're talking about the Me Too movement. Rising, you took it to another extreme where this guy might become a you know a rapist or whatever. I don't even think it's that. Let's say he becomes that normal black male with his perception of sex. You know, even when we were talking about courting, like this, his first real interaction with women is all about sex. There's no respect of women. There's there's nothing. It's no, what kind of man do I need to be to be able to get myself ready to be in a sexual relationship, provide for a woman? Like, none of that. It's just sex. And then, not even just sex, it's 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 head. Like, we talk about sex a lot. You know, we talked about sex and, you know, when we were younger, but when you started getting head, that was a whole nother, like, you on a whole nother level now. Like, you, you that dude, like, you on some real player pimp shit. Like, you're 12. Like, so you're going to, like, advance type You know what I'm saying? And I know you got to bleep out a lot of stuff, Rizzy, but this kind of, this, this goes back to, to a lot of, to a lot of conversations we've had is there's so many expectations we set for ourselves in the black community, including sex. It's, our kids growing up too fast, you know, going out, being working on the street. That's how a lot, a lot of these kids get into selling drugs and doing crime and stuff like that, because we expect our, our young boys to become men. We're telling this 12 year old boy, you need to start becoming a man now. Like you're starting to do man like stuff. Instead of doing playing video games and stuff like that, we're telling you, you need to start becoming a man. 
it's the trauma, like you're you're taking away their childhood, uh, the chance for them to develop healthy relationships, healthy childhood. You know, a lot of times we talk to people and they talk about they start doing a when I talk to people about their childhood. A lot of that stops at a very early age, like the responsibilities and the stuff like we all had jobs when we were young. Then I have some friends that their parents weren't allowed to work until they got to college or even throughout college because they're like, hey, you're a kid. Do kid like don't worry about those things. Let me worry about those things. You know, it's we're putting this on a kid like this. I mean, we're literally telling this dude at 12, you need to be starting doing grown man. You got you got women. And it's not just by him. Like if I read the article correct or what I read is like it was him and his his cousins. So it's like we mm-hmm. like we getting served up. We on some grown man pimp type, you know, hood hood hierarchy type stuff. Like this is you got a woman serving you, me and the, the crew too. Like that's the kind of shit. Yeah, set out, set out. Yeah, like this is some like, too short type. You know, like this ain't no regular twelve year old boy even getting molested by that aunt or the babysitter. This is my dad, who I supposedly look up to set up this woman for me and my boys. There's no way he can have a healthy relationship. I would be not no way, but I'll be very surprised if he's able to have a, a healthy relationship with women. And I know I'm gonna get a lot of flack from guys because yeah, we, we think about sex a lot. When I was, I was with Byron when he was 12, 13, we thought about it. We talked about it, but it was still like, it was, you know, it was taught because that's what we were expected to do. We were expected yeah. to talk about that stuff. If you weren't the guy talking about this, then all of a sudden, oh, he might be gay. And an attempt to make sure his son isn't gay at 12 years old, like that's the worst thing that can happen to a young black man today is to be gay. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Like it's, that was his whole premise. It's like, I'm going to do everything I can to make him a real man. And a real man does certain things. So there, there's there's so much ignorance around uh, homosexuality, too, because you have this theory among a lot of black people that, you know, Europeans and, and white culture are trying to indoctrinate the black population with being gay and, and all of this other stuff that comes after that. Listen, that was homosexuality in the motherland, you know, back when we were kings and queens that, you know, how, how far back y'all like to go all the time. There was homosexuality there. There's homosexuality in biblical times. There's always been homosexuality. And then the whole thing of, you know, I can't rock with uh, fighting for gay rights when, when, when I need to be fighting for civil rights, man, one of the lead people that put that March on Washington together with uh, Martin Luther King was a homosexual guy. His name eludes me, but he was a homosexual. He was a gay man, but he also fought for civil rights. They have been in the trenches with us when it comes to fighting for equality on all facets of life. So this whole notion that, you know, this country just wants black men to be gay so we can stop populating things like that. It's too many misconceptions. And it, then it leads to people like Boosie doing this type of stupid stuff. But but we're talking about my, the, my question is my bad. Go. I, I, I have a question. Is somebody going to do anything about it? Like Boosie is literally on camera confessing to yeah. statutory molesting his child, statutory <laughs> setting up statutory. I mean, it could be. Yeah. I mean, like, it's. <laughs> It's almost like or, he's an accessory to that. Yeah. And that's what I was going to bring up. But another thing, for whatever reason, we don't believe men can be raped. 
That's the thing. If this was his 12-year-old daughter with a grown man, shit's hitting the fan. But because this is a 12-year-old boy, and I forgot which one of you guys mentioned, like, we might have fantasized about older teachers. That's just the norm. We're normalizing trauma. We're normalizing bullshit. Like, young boys always fantasize about older women. He got an older woman. Good for gold woman. Good for him. Like, it's people clapping and applauding this kind of stuff. Man, I wish that would have been me. Shit, 12 years old, and I bet she was fine. Like, like that's 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 where we that's where we go. Um, but we're talking about people we think that don't make a good argument. The other argument I see is, you know, our favorite book we pull out, that good old Bible. Huh. And so because you know, there's people who find text that says homosexuality is an abomination upon God, they use that. But they don't say anything about uh, raping little boys or, you know, molest- I mean, uh, molestation. But there is clearly something that says homosexuality. Is r- so people can't can't separate it. They'll they'll go to bat. They'll they'll kick kids out of the house over that. But because somebody's molesting their kid or whatever the case may be, we'll hide that. Like, we'll hide. That'll be a family secret. This dude came out with a family secret. Like Rosie said, Ain't nobody gonna do anything about it. Even old girl on the pole, that was just a bad <laughs> choice of that was just bad parenting to me. Oof, but women did not they didn't I, agree with that. No. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm not saying I'm just saying she had on a stripper outfit, she had a stripper music and had a stripper pole. I'm not saying she did, she was a stripper, but she definitely uh had a stripper one-on-one class going on. Like she had all the makings of everything you need. The outfit, don't, everything. Don't, don't forget the music. The music. Don't forget the music. music, music <laughs> pole. Like, what, what else do you need? You know, like, and people are like, well, you can't really pole dance with uh, tights on. I'm like, I'm not saying she needs to wear, like, long leggings, but there's short enough shorts and stuff like that. It helps the argument. But I digress. This is bullshit. Bootsy should be looking at um, some time. I hate to see a black man go down, but something some, Again, some charges need to, ain't he been in jail? Some charges need to go down. Like something needs to be brought up. Even if it's, hey, you need to take some parental classes or something. Fine. Something needs to happen to discourage this type behavior and let people know that this is wrong. And we need to readdress how we we approach our young men when it comes to women, because we have all these things we want to protect our, our young girls from. But our young girls are going to be dating this guy, your 12 year old daughter is going to be dating this 12 year old boy and his nephews one day. Mm-hmm. How, how do you see that relationship going? So if nobody does anything about this, all these men applauding, I'm hoping Boosie's son and his nephews are the ones that take your 12, your, your daughter to the prom when they're 18. <laughs> because you don't see any problem with the way they look at sex, right. yeah. you know? It is what it is, man. Point. I know I'm gonna get some flack. You know, I'm too harsh on the guys and like that. I'm saying I'm part of. I've been part of that culture. I was raised in that, and I'm starting just to challenge what I was taught. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not saying that my initial thought process is to say, "Man, that's crazy." As a 12 year old boy, I get it. You know, but we have to realize that some of the things we were taught were wrong, and we got to just change it or at least reexamine it. You know. 
I see, and I'm not, I'm gonna be honest, I see why Boosie could think this because this is kind of where what we were taught. He just took it to, he just mm-hmm. has the ability to do it and make it happen. But, you know, most men want their sons to grow up to be these strong black men with women and stuff like that. But I'm gonna just kind of push it along a little more. You know, it's, it's understandable to a certain extent, but it doesn't excuse it. Like his ignorance is just is is not is inexcusable. Right, On yeah. to the next one. Good, good question. Question. Yeah. Thanks, Ferg and Bird. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, Ferg took your question, Bird. So, so yes, we were going to talk about it to answer your question, Miss Bird. <laughs> uh, I guess I, I'll go next because I'm a. Uh, I got a little story towards the end of the show. Don't worry, it's, it's a very short story. Um, but my question is. And you can blame Fur for taking my que- my original question. You made my question better, gonna... though, bro. You, you, you. you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Roger, you're probably going to have to uh, edit the the silence as we think on this one. But it's one of those ones you got to think. So, on Netflix, I've been watching uh, Trial by Media. I think you have been too, Fur, right? I've you know? watched I've watched an uh, episode or two. All right. So, I just watched uh, 41 Shots. And while I knew about that case, it definitely you know, expose some details about the trial that I didn't know. But um, for those of you that don't know, uh, uh, is a African immigrant from what, you know, immigrant from Africa living in New York. He was in front of his own door and this, you know, special unit of the NYPD asked him for his hands. And I think he was like trying to grab his wallet or his key or whatever. They shot him 41 times. Okay, 41 times. And they were, you know, obviously found not guilty or whatever like that. Unarmed. This happened in 99. So the similarities between that case and Trayvon Martin were just so stark on just just how it was handled and how he was portrayed as the, the true victim and how he was portrayed and how the media handled it and everything. And it just got me to thinking because they showed a scene where people were protesting and they were chanting, no justice, no peace. That's a chant I hear at nearly every, you know, uh, civil rights demonstration, any type of uh, discrimination against us when they protest. No justice, no peace. And I got to thinking, like, that's, really not, tr- that's not true. Because we, we rarely get justice, but we always keep peace. So no justice, no peace is false. But I wanted to ask you two brothers, because I don't want to be one of those guys that's like, we need to start a revolution because I know for a fact my suburban ass is not getting out there start nothing. <laughs> but are those the only two choices, peace or revolution? Like, and you and you two smart brothers' opinion, what is the in-between that we can start doing that's effective? You know, I know the common answers are like we need to vote or we need to, you know, get an education, but you know, there are a lot of smart, educated people that are still getting shot down by the cops for no reason. So I don't buy it. I don't buy into that. I don't buy until we need to just pull our pants up. So peace doesn't seem to be working. Nobody's going to start a revolution. And I, and I don't even want to advocate for that, but is there something in between those two extremes that we can begin to do that you think can be effective that hasn't been tried yet? I know that's a tough question, by the way. I I don't think there's anything that hasn't been tried. Um, you know, when when you talk about 
the no justice, no peace. There's been you got to think the the Watts riots, the Harlem riots. You know, there's been pockets of civil disobedience and stuff like that happening when we didn't get the justice that we deserve. Right. So there has been those pockets of no peace. But what ends up happening is we we get a little bone and then we go back to basically we go back to sleep. That's the problem. And I, I, I got to put my whole temporary hat on. Um, word to, so, and word to Umar. <laughs> word to Umar. Let's go. Burn some incense around here. <laughs> no, but but the thing about it is, man, yes, we we need to do a better job, not of so much of voting, but we need to go and muscle our way into all of these decision making in bodies. So and and a lot of that comes with voting, but we also need candidates that look like us, that think like us. Um, we need candidates that are bold enough to go and actually say, I'm gonna do something different than the status quo and actually go on the trail and know that they have enough gumption to be able to say it and still get elected because if they say it and they can't get elected, then nobody's going to say it. And they definitely aren't going to do it when they get into office. So you, you need both of those dynamics, right. On the, on the political side, once they get in, you got to give them that political cover. You got to let them be able to say, I'm going to do things differently. And it's going to shake up the, the white power structure because that's really what it comes down to is the white power structure isn't giving it up easily they're not going to give it up so you we're going to have to take it and we have to understand that we can't do it alone because we make up i I think we talked about it like 12 percent, 14 percent of the population uh when you talk about the electorate we're even smaller than that because most of us don't vote because we only have like a 30 percent participation rate um so there's no way that we're going to be able to get those people into office by ourselves. So we have to get with other minorities. We have to have uh, the allies, as we talked about, to be able to come and help out to change the laws and the structure and vote locally. Stop worrying about your national election so much and everything, but you really got to think about locally. Your local DA is probably the most important uh, position that you can think of so that we can get justice. So if you're not, if you don't know who your DA is, if you don't know who you're voting for as the DA, that's the first thing you need to start worrying about. If you're in a town that has a sheriff, you need to be knowing what, who that sheriff is, what they uh, stand for so that you can put a sheriff in there. That's actually going to support you. So it all comes down to, we're not going to be able to blow up the structure. We don't have the power. We don't have the means. We don't have the numbers to blow up the structure. So we have to do it from the inside and we have to do it on that local level, on that small level. If you can't do that, then we, we, we just, we're going to be sitting there doing the whole, we're going to march. We're going to pick it. We're going to, they're going to say, yeah, we'll turn on body cams. And, but then we're still not going to indict anybody after they, we show on video that they shot the person or they had no reason to shoot the person. So until we, again, that goes back to that DA. Do we talk about, um, what is it? I think it's uh, the the civil, um, like community based policing, where the community has an oversight committee over the police, and um, so when the com- when the the community uh, oversight committee says, "Here's what's going to happen to this police officer," that's it. 
And so the problem with that is, again, that white power structure doesn't like that because most times it's it's the the black community is saying, hey, this white police officer shot one of our boys and we're going to do something about it. That person's not going to work anymore. They're going to be fired. They're not going to be allowed to resign so that they can go get another job at another police precinct. We're going to make them actually get fired and it's going to go in their record as, hey, you will not be a police officer anymore. Um, so they don't want that. And so again, it's, it's, we got to fight it from the inside. We got to take it from all parts and kind of going back to, you talked about the March on Washington. The other part about it is we got to have those revolutionaries out there. Martin Luther King was able to get so much accomplished because he had Malcolm X right there behind him where Malcolm or Martin was able to say, you can either deal with me or you can deal with uh, Malcolm. So you need to figure out which one you like. And and so he was able to, to move like he was because of that threat of Malcolm. And they didn't want to have to deal with that. So you need the, the nation of Islam. You need those people that are going to the new Black Panther Party or the Black Panther Party. You need that group to be able to say you deal with us and you handle it on some up and up type transparency stuff where we actually can have some uh, ability to help you police or you're going to uh, deal with them and that ain't going to be pretty. You're going to deal with riots. You're going to deal with folks with guns all day long. Cause you know, when you think about it, a Michigan, a, a armed militia basically can walk in and take over the government and walk into the uh, state house. Nobody does anything. But if we have a March where we don't even have guns, they have police riot gear lined up, ready to take us out. Bro, They had tanks in Ferguson, Missouri. Tanks, yeah. my nigga. Yeah. These white dudes went up in there with automatic weapons. And masks on. So now you can't see their face. Like, bruh, it's bad. So the, the, the reaction is so different for them versus us. And the only way to change that, like I said, is to get in there and get power structures. And that's what they're protesting against is when we get into a power structure, when we get into a position of power, they're going to protest. That's why... Obama got such the backlash. That's why Keisha over in Atlanta is getting such backlash. That's why a lot of these Democratic governors that support a lot of our positions a lot of times is getting so much backlash because they know that it upsets that power structure. So we just, I mean, it, it's it's a whole lot we have to do, but it, it's small things. There's no one big thing that we can do to just make it change. Well, and I'll stop talking. I'll let, uh, <laughs> I, I think the first big thing we have to do is we have to get upset enough. We're never upset enough. Like, I think that's the difference. Like, we get pissed and we'll go riot for a little bit, but we're done. You know, even Byron said, like, I, my suburban ass, like, I have too much to lose to go, you know, go risk it all. Like, so we have to get upset enough that we're, we're dedicated to making a change. It's not a change will be nice. It's we're dedicated to making a change. And then we have to just change our tactics because we're not the revolutionaries we used to be. Now, we still have some out there, but we're not the revolutionaries we need to be. So we had to get upset enough to say, OK, we have to make a change. And that change probably starts with us. I don't trust politicians. So what can we do in our neighborhood? Do we create the black dollar, get it to stretch a little longer, get some get some finances, in our community where now we can make demands because we got we hold the money. Like, I think we are always trying to figure out how to play this white game and it's not set up for us. 
Like, I feel like other cultures play the, this game in America better than us. And I know that we've had setbacks somebody else had and all that stuff. I get it. But they're not they don't even pay attention to the white game. They come in and they come up with a game plan. This is how we're going to start our communities. We're going to have the 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 Korean dollar, the, the Mexican dollar. We're going to have these things stretch in our neighborhoods, make this stuff happen. And then when we get some power, we're going to say, hey, now we have the money. Now we have the backing. Now we're going to really start making moves. And we need to make sure the chief of police understands this or that we have money to back Byron, who wants to run for the sheriff department. Like, hey, Buff, we got you. You don't have to, if a, a white person is giving you a dime, we got you. Like we go back to the NFL and I always go back to, to me, this is a perfect example. People were expecting the, the players to protest. And they're like, well, the players ain't protesting. So I'm not pro- protesting. And if I was a player, like these motherfuckers ain't protesting or boycotting. So why would I do it? It's like, we're waiting on everybody and nobody's taking that stance. We're not all mad enough. Like, oh, I already knew that you weren't playing, nigga, because I because I, I ain't watching. Like we we know that we're all on the same page, or at least close to the same page. You know, when they were boycotting and riding in, or not riding, when they were protesting in Ferguson, were we protesting in Alabama? Were we protesting in Houston at the same time with this same fervor? Or did we go out there to a march or two and then we let up? We did our we did we checked the box, we showed that we were angry, and we 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 stepped away. And I don't think I think the difference is us is we're never is never bad enough. We're given just enough not to be extremely pissed. I think a lot of times revolutions happen because you have no other choice but to have a revolution. We Mm -hmm. have we have choices. It's. Yes, we might get gunned down in the streets, but it's highly unlikely. It's more unlikely than a white man getting gunned down in the street, but it's highly unlikely in principle. But at the same time, you know, I have a nice house, I have a nice car, I have a nice job. I have all these things that I can't, I can't, you know, you go to some of these countries, third world countries and people that are doing real revolutions. It's like, I can't take this anymore. We have no running water. You know, we can't go to school. They're, they're breaking in our home. Like the police are breaking in our homes. Taking this, like it's so corrupt that they that they can't take it anymore. They teeter on the edge for us. Mm-hmm. And it's never it hasn't been bad enough. That's kind of what sparked the civil rights is when they really people really started the, the change in civil rights, when people really saw how bad it was. And I think people are like, OK, I can't take the sitting down anymore for us. You know, we see it. It hurts us. But we've come so far that, yeah. Ah, can't lose this. Do we want to risk risk losing what we have? Can I risk this? And I think we we just have to, we have to have the backing. Like I said, I think NFL players would have boycotted if they knew the whole black community wasn't supporting football. And the black community would have supported the boycott if they knew none of the NFL players were going to play. But it's, you want what you want. And we are the most forgiving or we get angry, but we don't get mad. Like these, these white people are mad because they can't go golfing. Like they are mad. Like they are <laughs> mad. Like there's, there's working out because the gym is closed. They were working out in front of the state Capitol because the gym is closed to show that, Hey, how ridiculous it is. It's like, but you're working out like they're mad. 
They're, they were mad when Barack got a, a, elected. We were angry when Trump got elected. We ain't didn't. We ain't. We haven't done nothing. Like it's. I don't know, man. It's. I don't think we're. I don't yeah, think until we get they, upset enough. The, the entire Tea Party came because Trump uh, because Obama got elected. We didn't have that Tea Party surgeons of something. We just talk a lot of on sh- our we side. Just have a lot of, we talk yeah. a lot of shit and we create memes. Listen, the Tea Party formed literally two months after Obama was sworn in, so they were mad at policies that were already in effect from the previous eight years. But they, so, but they, it wasn't about policy. It, 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 That's it, why. Exactly. <laughs> they didn't like the face that was in the Oval Office, man. Yeah. Um, we they, haven't done, we haven't gotten mad enough to make, to really spark a change. Like it, it's, I mean, think about as bad as Trump is, as bad as all the stuff that's going on in to the black community, how has it affected Byron, Berg, and Rozzy enough for us to say, screw it, I'm about to be on the front line? So, man, you guys you definitely said a lot, and I like what both of you had to say. Um, just another note on that whole 41 shots thing. So they shot this brother in the Bronx, right? They felt like this, this, so they're in the wrong and they're on, they're giving interviews saying, you know, we did nothing wrong. Like how, how can you say you did nothing wrong when you shot an unarmed person 41 times? You can say, Hey, we didn't intentionally do it or we made a mistake, but to say you, no, you did do something wrong. Okay. They moved, they changed the venue from the Bronx to Albany, New York. That's like, that's like someone getting shot in Pritchard and saying, hey, we got to move this to Huntsville. That's crazy to me, man. The game was rigged from the jump and the prosecution. They, they, like, they had four sisters on that jury. They had four black women on that jury. And she said, you know, I felt for them. I wanted to, you know, rule one way, but the prosecution gave me nothing. I don't even think they crossed. They put the police officers on the stand. Do you know how many prosecutors would, would would love for the defendant to take the stand? Most defenses don't. Did George Zimmerman take the stand? I can't remember if he did or not. But he did. He, he did. Okay. So they and and that and that's why I said it was so parallel to Trayvon because I remember that prosecution was just very vanilla, very basic. They didn't. Yep. They didn't do much, and that's just how they're, they're not trying to. Exactly. Uh, you know, they're really not trying yes. to get them in, um, convicted. What they're trying to do is give the show. Exactly. And and then from there, say, well, we tried, but the jury said something mm-hmm. different. And, and, I mean, and, and, it, and that's exactly what the prosecutor said on that episode, Razzie. So and you mentioned a civilian review like so. There isn't a mayor in this country that is for that because they're going to get so much backlash from their police department. Police departments don't like civilian review boards. And if, as a politician, if your police department is not happy with you, then that means crime may go up because they may not. So it's like we got to change the whole system. When you guys say we need to vote, and, and don't get me wrong, voting is an important part. But first, say he doesn't trust politicians. You don't trust politicians because the system is rigged. So you could take the most well-meaning per. I could run for office and get elected. I'm going to do one or two things. I'm going to stay how I am and not change and get absolutely nothing done and get voted mm-hmm. out the next election. 
or I'm going to conform to the system and, and, and start doing things I shouldn't be doing, making deals that are, that are hurting my people and things like that. And those are the only two choices. We got to change the system before we really expect more out of our politicians. Uh, for, for us, for the main thing is, though, we just got to admit that America is racist. And I made a post a long time ago of how, you know how I know black people aren't racist? is because white people can do the most simplest of things. And, and we're like, oh, man, they coming to the cookout. Look at that. Like, like look at how much uh, Trump was in our culture before he became who we know him as. He was on an episode of Fresh Prince Bel-Air. He was, he was mm-hmm. taking pictures with rappers and stuff like that. Meantime, him and his father had found guilty by the FBI of discriminating in their housing uh, uh, properties. But, you know, we, we didn't pay any of that any attention because, you know, Trump hung around rappers and, and he took pictures with them and we said that was okay. Donald Sterling owned an NBA team. The NCAA, I mean, the NAACP out here giving him awards and stuff. Oh, so he must be cool now. Like, let any white person quote two lines from a rap song and all of a sudden they invited to the cookout. Let one white person do the latest dance or whatever. Oh man, she she got it going on. He know what he's doing. He hip coming to the cookout. So we let way too much slide and we don't point out racism enough in this country. Bottom line, this Trump is racist. We had a black president that couldn't even say about a teenage boy who had just been killed for no reason. He couldn't even say if I had a son, he would look like Trayvon. They blasted that dude for that. Yep. Like he was so timid. Oh, and I, you know, I, I, I liked Obama, but he was so timid to where he couldn't be quote fully black. He wound up firing this, this, uh, one of his administrators, uh, Shirley Sherrod that worked for the department of agriculture because Breitbart had doctored a video making it seem like she said some racist and without even investigating, they just let her go because they didn't want anything to do with that. Same thing with Van Jones. So, but could, he, but could he have done anything different? Like that's what yeah, he, they, 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 they could have get, tried to get to the truth. I'm talking about like as a whole, like people like, talk about what did Obama do for the black communities? Like, oh, no, no, no. And, I, and I'm not even talking about that. I'm just saying how timid he was with wanting to deal with anything race. And because she seemingly said something racist, which she did not, he, he had to let her go. But my main point is this to answer my question. One, we got to change the structure. We got to change the structure. And I like what I think both of you guys say. We got to stay mad. We don't stay mad long enough. Razio said we get a bone and then we're good. We got to we got to be unified. Well, the Bible teaches to forgive, Byron, and all this stuff. You don't supposed to stay mad. Like we're. Yeah. You know what? But forgive, forgive with consistent results. You know, let's get some consistent results and then maybe we can start forgiving. But you know what else we hadn't talked about? The media. I was just about to say that. We, we have our Don Lemons and all of that, but who is like the, the producers and, and the people that own these companies and how they frame these? Because that was the main thing with Amadou Diallo and Trayvon Martin and a lot of other people. Like, look how quick they brought up, well, Trayvon did smoke weed. The hell they got to do with him getting blasted <laughs> in his own yep. neighborhood with a tea and skittles? So the way they framed him, you know, well, he was a poor immigrant and, you know, maybe he like like we need to be able to frame the media in a, in a better way to where a Reagan campaign can't get away with putting a black woman as the face of the welfare queen when there are more white people on welfare than black people. Well, it's funny you say that because I was going to say one of my uh, one of my chapter bros 
had a recent run in with the police and he actually. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, he yeah. put it on Facebook and stuff like that. Basically, two officers, two officers came to his house on a wellness check for the kids that live onto the house and looking for somebody. Of course, same song of wrong dance, address. Wrong, wrong address, nothing right about it. He came there, dudes, wife and kids, uh, upstanding citizen, former, uh, he's a military veteran, stuff like that. Good guy. And he got frustrated because he's like, they're, they're, they're badgering him, stuff like that, to the point where luckily he brought his camera out, his phone out, and that's when things kind of changed. One of the officers told him to go eat a dick. Like, because he wasn't answering the questions and he was frustrated. And so, what is it? He had he asked. He was like, "Is this your? Uh, yes, a, is this your girlfriend it, or your baby mama?" Like, it's the wow. perception. Like, it's to me. We just need to come up with some basic laws. We ask our soldiers who are in wartime situations to be more responsible than we ask our our police officers who are told to protect and serve. I always go back to when I was getting deployed to Afghanistan and we looked at rules of engagement, the Geneva Convention. We literally could be in a hostile country in enemy territory in the middle of a war. And there were so many things that I had to make sure were happening before I was able to release or uh, fire my weapon in a deadly manner. It's to me, I don't, I'm not even gonna say all police are racist or all that stuff. I don't like mistakes happen. Mistakes happen. You pay the price. It's, it's to me, it's very simple. You killed an unarmed person as a police officer there's some time to be served. Hey, if I kill somebody unarmed, I might, I'm probably going to go to jail. I'm not, I'm not saying he's right. He's racist. He's a bad police officer. He made a mistake. He has to pay the crime. You know, it might be a five to 10, five to 10 years, two to five years. Think about it. whatever it is. It would make them think about it long enough. It's just, it's the, the trial should be, was this person armed? They, pres- and I always hate that. Did they pose a threat? But was they, were they armed? Even if they pose a threat, did they pose a deadly threat? And if they didn't, it's that simple. I, and and Buff, I'll be I'll be that fool for you because I know as a, as a police officer, <laughs> you might not want to comment on it. But like I, I will, I say I, like I disagree with that because I I know there are situations where that mistake is is valid. Like it just depends because of, of timing and everything like that. Like when we talk escalation of force and all of that it's and, and ROEs uh, or rules of engagement but when you talk about that it's it's still split second decisions that you have to make and so when an officer has been trained almost all of your scenarios in your training is that person tried to kill you then it's it's ingrained to you it's muscle memory that's that's how you get out of the, the training scenarios so it we we have but, to if, if you want to do but, that but, but if you bullshit, want to do that bullshit. then we need to change we need to go back how, to how that. many times and, 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 you, how many times you see these videos with these white people branding machetes and guns like they're it's, 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 it's if that was the case like every time they pull somebody over and they pull the cell phone out they got shot or like okay we need to change the training but it happens to be that when these black people pull a cell phone out it just ha- it, it it's life threatening. We literally watch videos of them, Dylan Ruth. Like we're watching them bring in mass murderers, taking them to Burger King. Like there's <laughs> there's no way you can tell me it's I'm, their training. It's it's it might be the lack of training. And the thing about it's like okay, the good good suffer with the bad. 
you if enough officers get arrested and this shit happens, they're like, okay, we need to change our training because we lost some good officers doing this. Like it's, so I, agree, I, I, I agree with both. I, I agree with portions of both you guys. So let, let me start with Rosie first. And one of the things I do like about my department, I'm not just trying to cave for my department because it's my department. One of the things I do like is that we are training more on a lot of no shoot situations, because if you think about it, one of our favorite shows that I always talk about here on The Wire, The Wire had five complete seasons. Only one police officer shot his weapon mm-hmm. three times. Okay, and it was that same police officer. It was, it was only one out of five seasons. You watch all these cop shows and, and how many times they fire the show. But the reality is most police officers never shoot their, their weapon. And so police departments need to train officers more on more non-shoot situations. And and, and what you need to do is you you get the threat level up, you get the uh, the adrenaline going in, in the scenarios that we run, and when you bust in the room, you have to be sure that you see a threat. You just can't go in slamming rounds all over the place and saying, oops, my bad, I was nervous. It can't be like that. Lives matter, man. And so when they shot that dude 41 times, I understand Ferg's uh, upsetness, uh, ang- anger, really, because I've seen videos where a white guy in Michigan had a shotgun on school grounds. The police got their weapons drawn at him and he's like literally grabbing his nuts and flipping them off with the shotgun. And it ended with one of the officers walking up to him and saying, hey, sir, I don't know if he really said this, but I'm, hey, sir, I know you're having a bad day, but can you put the gun down? I've seen another video where a kid high on mushrooms walk into a police department, tussle with officers, try to grab one of their guns, and not one time did any of them think to try to shoot him. That's what Ferg is talking about right there, is that when you see us, you see a threat and your first option is to automatically go to your gun. But when you see white people, it's like, well, let's just wait and see. Hold on. Wait. You know, and and and, and that's and so that's why I say I like portions of both of you guys, because police departments across the country need more training on non-shoot situations. At the same time, though, what Ferg is saying and what I said, America is racist, and we need to start acknowledging that and the fact that police officers are patrolling neighborhoods that they only see as threats and adversaries is a huge problem. Love it. So Sorry, folks, about the length of this episode. Yeah, maybe. But, yeah, it's good. And, which is, so, and yeah. part of what I was thinking when I was answering your question earlier was... I would love to see more black or blacker police forces where I feel like we in the black community, we call almost look down on black cops because we feel like they're part of this, the good old boy system. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Hey, almost like I'm part of a black fraternity. We look at black kids and white fraternities different. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if there was something that you could call your own, where I know these guys policing my street are a little closer to the beliefs I believe in, because Byron becomes a, pol- a patrolman in some random neighborhood and he's it's 95 percent white to a he has to assimilate to a certain extent. And like all these and maybe I'm just drawing from media or TV shows or, or movies where that black cop who has all the best of intentions becomes corrupt or he has this. 
he's 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 battling himself because he has to be part of this the boys in blue and be this black man and to be this black man that's around more black men that look like you maybe that's part of it where we we started getting this culture we get angry enough we're like we're telling our young youth that we need more black men to police our neighborhoods to stop black guys from getting shot it's you know, when I get pulled over with somebody that looks like me and he's in a car with somebody else that looks like him and his whole upbringing two generations from now is being around other black cops. Maybe it changes his thought process a little bit. He's not being part of that, being bred and taught by these white people who have these ideologies about black men. Like I went to school with this guy. I know him. I pulled him over. I know his family. Where I know a family like his, I understand where he's at. I understand where he's coming from, um, and make it a thing that's cool, you know. And, and, and yeah, I mean the, the the disparity of how different areas are policed is blatant, especially now, right? You look at New York and how in areas they're having whole freaking festivals and stuff during the quarantine Mm -hmm. and no tickets are being given, Mm -hmm. but they're giving out, you know, black people just walking down the street. uh, They're getting tickets for not having masks on and things like that. Uh, I saw a report. I think they said, 80 something percent of um, fines and tickets that were given out for the quarantine were to black people. That is crazy. So man, I I just, so, so, and so that that actually was a trick question because the real answer to it is uh, white people stop being racist. And then we won't have to spend 30 minutes trying to answer this question, but go ahead. Go ahead. All right. So, all right. My question um, as a kid, we talked. You you talked about you know growing up and and we right before the show we were all talking about just reminiscing about growing up and everything. What were some irrational fears that you had, like growing up, that just didn't make any sense? Like I thought that I was gonna be like walking and quicksand was just gonna be everywhere. And like, <laughs> never seen quicksand in your life. Have you? Never, never seen it in my life. I've never you know, been all, there, but, all those quicksand you know, pits in the middle of uh, Whistler. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know, watching movies and stuff, you, you feel like you know, if you ever go in the woods, you're gonna get trapped in quicksand, or like you know, it, it, you're gonna fall down a pit, and there's just like random pits in the woods and stuff like that. Like I always felt like. If I went outside of the city, it was just going to be all bad. So, what were some of those irrational fears that you guys had I, I don't, that just didn't make I don't sense, know, or did you not have? I think any? I was a very <laughs> rational kid, probably too rational. That's why I'm the way I am today. Um, I didn't definitely nothing about quicksand. <laughs> it was were you ever scared that like if you had to fly over the Bermuda Triangle that you weren't that, gonna make it? That's one. That's one. <laughs> yeah, that, there you go. You did. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. There but, you go. I mean, I wasn't. I was. I wasn't really flying as a kid, but I did know like if I ever flew, I'm not going anywhere near the Bermuda Triangle. And like I was like very old before I realized, hey, it's it's okay. It's cool. Like people actually <laughs> go to Bermuda. I mean, it's like so. Yeah, that's that. Damn, you hit it right there. That's my answer right there, man. Thank you, Roger. <laughs> that might be it. I'm trying to think. I don't know, man. I just never. Ah. Yeah, I'm going with the Bermuda too, man. I don't know. Rizy, give us some more. <laughs> what else? What, what, what else was Rizy? Rizy's fears. 
Um, I I always fear that if I put my hand down the garbage disposal, that it was gonna it was all over. The garbage disposal was gonna come on. And I was gonna chop my hand off. <laughs> like so, the first time that something fell down the uh, drain and I had to like stick my hand down there to get it, I w- I was like deathly afraid. I was like, oh my god, I'm I'm my hand's not coming back. But had to had to do it. So that was one. Um, Any of y'all scared to say Bloody Mary in the in the mirror? Exactly, that, exactly. That, All that Candyman. That's not, a, that's I, not I'm irrational. Scared to say Candyman. <laughs> <laughs> are you are you still scared to say Candyman? I'm not scared. Mary? I just I prefer not to. You know, things, it's, it's, certain things just don't make sense. Why do it? Why tempt it? Huh? Why, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. What what do you prove? Like what do you play, win? Playing with a Ouija board. What do you did, win? Did y'all ever play with a Ouija board? I've we, I've we heard, heard of the Black that. Magic. All right, so since since you guys really can't think of anything, what we'll do is we'll just post it on Facebook, and listeners will let y'all answer. So let us know what were some irrational fears that you had growing up that just didn't make sense that you had to actually grow up out of. Please, I need some help. All right, fellas, we're closing out. Um, Rizy, keep the party going. Um, what do you have to leave us with? Man, not a whole lot. Like. Like Byron said, thank you guys. Thank you for all the support. Um, happy birthday, Angelita. Uh, the the kickback oh, was actually really fun. Uh, so that that was that was good for me because you know I I haven't had a chance to really get out and hang out. And so when we did our live episode, um, or, or we did the when we went live and we did the the DJ when uh, Tight Mike was DJing for us, that was fun. Uh, so guys, keep finding ways to just stay entertained. And, and and enjoy the time that you have, even though you can't go out. So the little Zoom meetings, I thought, you know, it was going to be kind of hokey and everything, but it really was just cool. Just hanging back, listening to music together, just laughing and joking, uh, even though you're not there together. It really does make you feel like you're there, there together. The Erica Badu and Jill Scott versus was everything that I imagined. I, I I loved it. I enjoyed it. It was great. And I can't remember who's tonight. I think it's Nelly and Ludacris. And Luda. Uh, yeah. yeah. I was going to so they'll be tonight. So by Oh, okay. My bad. My bad. <laughs> no, I'm good. Yeah. I'll, I'll let you I'll let you I'll let you finish it up then. So um I just kind of wanted to end the show. I started off talking about my mom and just a real very, very quick story. Uh because Razio, you were there, so you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So my first time flying was in 2000. I flew up to where I live now. I was still living in Mobile at the time. And we were getting ready to fly to Manassas for Thanksgiving. And we missed our flight. And my mom consistently blamed my stepdad. And my stepdad consistently blamed her. She felt like he was taking too long. He had to use the bathroom and, and all this stuff and it held us up. And he was like, well, you made us go the long way to the airport when we should have took the interstate. So that was like, uh, they, they, we never resolved that argument of whose fault it was on why we missed that flight at my mom's funeral. Okay. We had the viewing and then we had the, uh, we went to the grave site at noon. Okay. So the viewing was from 10 to 1130. We left and, and went to the gravesite at noon. As soon as we get there, my stepdad gets out the car and has to go to the restroom. <laughs> <laughs> there ain't a restroom in sight at this graveyard. So he had to get 
whoever was driving the hearse to drive him. They got lost. Okay, so the lady on the golf cart that works there had to go find them, guide them to the restaurant. It's hot in Mobile, too, by the way. It's like 80-some degrees at the time. We got old folks standing in the sun. We're waiting on him. He found, what was it, right? Was it like over 30 minutes? It was over 30 minutes, yeah. Was, yeah. Imagine, imagine this sad, solemn time with my mom's casket laying there. People are sad. Burning up in the sun, we're waiting on him because he couldn't use the restroom before we left the uh, funeral home to go to the grave site. So I said all that to say that clearly, Ma, you were right. It was Lester's <laughs> fault. Okay? So you win that one. And uh, I just want to say I love you once again. I meant what I said. I'm going to talk to you every day. And after Ferd uh, takes us home, you're going to hear a, a real live voicemail that my mom left me. It makes me happy because uh, she's happy. And I hope you guys enjoy. Thank you guys for listening. Love you all. Appreciate it. As Razio said, happy birthday, Angelita. Thank you, ladies, once again. Thank you, everybody that reached out to me. On that note, we love you, Miss Hazel. Three brothers, no sense. Remember, listen, like, share, subscribe, comment, and most importantly, listen again. ABK, this is mom. Every test came back good. The doctor had a nurse to call me. That's the best news I've heard in some time. Just wanted to let you know. Bye-bye. Love you.